The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Bermuda Championship. It's storylines, it's best bets, it's one and done, and look who it is. It's Kyle Porter, KP. Welcome back. Are we, uh, where, what, what's our setup today here, Rick? Where, where are you at? Uh, this is officially my wife's office, uh, which okay. is on the opposite, on the uh, the western side of the house, because we are getting solar, Kyle, and uh, that side is like they're they're drilling into my cranium, uh, which did not seem like a great way to, you know, produce a podcast, uh, an audio medium. What's the? Uh, I I have not uh, dug too deep into this. What's the, give me the short sell on solar. Like, is it, is it, Hey, you're going to recoup your money in 10 years. Is it like a environmental, yeah. uh, like best for the environment? Like, give me the, give me the like 30 second pitch. Yeah. So the, the short thing is obviously this is for us in Las Vegas. So obviously some places it's better deal than others. Um, one, yeah, the environment is nice, right? Like we get to be, we get to be a little bit uh, more self-sufficient. We're, we're we're using the sun that is constantly just destroying us here uh, to our advantage. Uh, two, you get a a fairly sizable federal tax credit uh, to go along with the no state income tax in the state of Nevada. It makes for a good deal, and uh, yeah, you recoup it. So for us. You know, we're the only two people that live here, so our electric bill isn't overly crazy. We'll recoup it in like six years. Okay. That's, so we'll have no compelling. electric bill for like six years. Yeah, or no, no, we'll pay it all up front and have uh, no electric bill ever again, and we'll recoup it in like six years. No electric bill ever again and recoup. That's compelling, I think. Yeah. I think, I think alternative sources of energy are, I can't believe we're talking about this, but are, uh, <laughs> This is All right. right up. This right is up what happens here. off the this rails. Is what happens with you and I. Every every time I am only with another person, it's just it's all over the yard. But I think alternative sources of energy like that are extremely compelling, and I can very easily be talked into them. Like it doesn't it doesn't take a lot for me to be talked into stuff like that. Yeah, and solar is constantly getting more efficient. So, like, if you got solar ten years ago, there's probably something more efficient. There will be something even more efficient in five years. You know what I mean? So, uh, we get we're gonna get what's available here, and it'll probably just it'll probably just get better over time. So, I don't know if this is how it is where you are, but people where I am, like in Texas, and and when we travel to Oklahoma, there's a ton of windmills, and mm. people people love to complain about them, and and uh, yeah, whatever, and. Whether they like, 
I've, I've, I've always thought it's fascinating because whether it works or doesn't work, it's like, Hey, just like take some shots on like creating like energy yeah. sources that are, it just makes sense. Right. Like, I think it's, I don't know. It just makes a lot yeah, of you know sense. What we should do. And, Let's and, try and it and out. Even if it, even if it doesn't work, it's like, well, I don't know, man, like we're taking, we're like trying to figure stuff out. Some stuff is not going to work. Yeah, let's put let's put um, conveyor belts on sidewalks and let people walk and generate energy like a giant hamster wheel. Let's try something that, here, people. Is that a thing? I don't know. I hope. Maybe so. we need to hook up. We need to hook up. Uh, like you remember the old uh, Sports Center commercial where Lance Armstrong was powering the building with his bike? Yes. Maybe we can. Maybe we can consolidate all the Peloton'ers there you and go. just start and just start a like a power grid. This stuff is for people don't even have to pay for this. Like we're just giving them ideas for free. This is incredible. incredible Nowhere stuff. else can you get it. All these great power <laughs> ideas. And there is a Seamus power in the field this week. Uh, that is certainly my bridge back to the Butterfield Bermuda championship and KP in our uh, most recent, our most recent tangent where we went off trying to figure out the best player, <laughs> <laughs> the best player in each continent. Um, that's actually now a real thing. Uh, because you actually went and said, oh, you know what? I'm going to make this official. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to go out, put some thought into this. The YouTube comments, eh, they were a little wishy-washy on our original list. So now we get an opportunity to revise this because on CBSSports.com right now, you have a piece up there where you have gone through each and every continent and figured out the best player. Uh, I'm just going to start at the top here. In true first-cut fashion, Gary Player is the best player to ever come from Africa. And your note here also points out Ernie Els, probably in the mix, but it was Gary Player that gets the nod from you. Yeah, it just the numbers are overwhelming. Even if even if you could like somehow make Ernie in, you know, 1998 compete against 1966 Gary Player and Ernie, I think Ernie would like 1998 Ernie would beat that Gary Player. Um, the numbers are so overwhelming that I couldn't go with anybody else. So it's Mr. Player uh, from uh, from the continent of Africa. Mr. Player from the continent of Africa, nine majors, twenty four PGA Tour wins. But here's the big boy: nearly two thousand, or excuse me, two hundred. I almost gave I almost gave him too many. Two hundred wins globally. He would have liked that. Asia. This is what this is what sparked this entire yeah. conversation. The the is Hideki Matsuyama the best player ever from Asia? And in your piece here, he does indeed get your vote. Yeah, you know, the I kind of went deeper on the research after we got done talking because I was interested. And there's a lot of guys that like Jumbo Zaki uh won, I think it was like 90 times on the Japan tour, which is kind of crazy. But I mean, what Hideki is, and we landed on this. On the podcast, it, it's not. I don't think extraordinarily difficult. Like what Hideki has taken everything that's gone before him, whether it's KJ Choi or, or whoever, and just elevated it to win the Master. I mean, Yi Yang's the only other Asian player to win a major championship, and that was a PGA. To me, the, obviously, the Masters I think is more uh, revered as a major. So Hideki's just taken everything that everybody's done and just taken it up a level. So I think. Yeah, it's definitely Hideki from, from which is crazy because he's 29, you know, like we talked about. So he's got he's got some room to uh, to kind of build on that over the next 10 years or so. 
He's got some resume building still on tap does Hideki Matsuyama, the best player ever from Asia, according to us. Europe, this has got to be the hardest one. Uh, obviously, lots of great European players. Uh, you actually note in this article, uh, could have been Nick Faldo with a, a look towards Rory McIlroy uh, uh, eventually taking over this honor, but it was neither of those two golfers that ended up uh, for your European selection. Yeah, it was, uh, I went with Seve. We kind of talked through this, you know, it was really hard because I think Faldo has a great case. Um, Seve's the time European tour wins leader. Him and Faldo both had nine PGA tour wins. And then Faldo had six majors to Seve's five. They were both unbelievable in the Ryder cup. I think Faldo actually has a few more to- like total points than Seve does. But when you think about Ryder Cup, you think of Seve, right? So I think his like status or legend there is kind of outweighs um, Faldo's. But I think I think it's interesting. Like I, I'm curious from you, what would Rory have to do over the next, let's say, twelve years to become the best? Like, does he have to get to? Like, what if Rory wins the Masters next year? Is he the best Euro ever? So this kind of goes with an argument that I would have made in North America that um, generally speaking, very generally speaking, the most current best to do X is the best to ever do X. Uh, Just because technology gets better, players get better, the competition in the world of golf. It's more difficult. Yeah, it's just so much better now. Um, Yeah. So I don't think that Rory has to necessarily come close to 90 wins globally, which he's not going to do, or, you know, eight or 10 major championships. I don't think he has to do that. Uh, If he wins the Masters next year, for example, or at some point in his career, that's a much more compelling argument because he gets his name on a very short list of, of players to complete the career grand slam. And he's doing it in the modern game. If without that, he's got to win a couple more majors, right? That, that will be the key. And, and, and when you talk about greatest of a continent or greatest of all time, unfortunately it is going to come down to those four tournaments a year. That, that is how all of these ties are going to be broken, but I generally don't think he has to do as much as other eras have done. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think it's difficult if the numbers. This is like, like um, uh, Gary Player and Ernie Els. Like again, I think Ernie Els was probably like in a vacuum, just better at golf. But if your numbers are so overwhelming, from not, it's not like you know those guys played in like the eighteen hundreds. They played like forty years ago. So if your numbers even from them are so overwhelming that. Like, I think they can be overwhelming enough to make up, like, kind of the gap that, that you're talking about there. Um, but with Seve and Faldo, the numbers compared to Rory are not, like, that overwhelming. And so I'm with you. I, I think that if Rory wins, even like, what if he wins St. Andrews next year? You could talk me into, like, okay, that's that's it. Like, he's the best Euro ever. Definitely if he wins Augusta, I, you, I could be talked into it. I don't. It, it's it's and the crazy part again, like kind of with Hideki, it's it's close. Like it's close to right. Rory being like the guy from Europe. Uh, I st- I still I would still put I think Sevi and and 
Faldo ahead of him, which I haven't in the past with Seve. I think I've always said Faldo has been the best, but I think I would still put those those two guys ahead of them and with, with Rory potentially getting there in the next five or 10 years. Right. Uh, that's yeah. Still, still plenty of work left to do or still plenty of time left for Rory to put in, uh, changes to his resume we spent about three seconds on north america on i guess that would have been sunday's pod and we just quickly said tiger woods let's move on and someone in the comments said uh go back and check wikipedia have you ever heard of this guy named jack nicholas which i i i had to google kyle uh as you know to find out who this jack guy was uh i mean come on yes i understand i understand jack nicholas uh it's Tiger. We could, I, we could, I could have spent more three seconds here as well and just moved on. Yeah, it's the same argument we were just making, right? Like if Nicholas had won, Nicholas would have had to have won like twenty five majors to to overwhelm like the fact that Tiger almost has caught him in a much better era. Correct. I don't know about much better in a better era. Um, well, uh, well, not, maybe not the start of it, but yeah, now it's much better. Now it's much better. I think that, I mean, my argument for that has always been like, you put more money in an industry, that industry is going to get more competitive. And it's hard because Tiger was like kind of the catalyst for more money in, entering the industry. And so he caught like the tail end of that like at the end of his career, I don't know that he caught it as much at the beginning of his career. I think, I think the trajectory was, was it, it wasn't that far. Away. I mean, there was more money, but it was almost like an inflation thing, like at the beginning of Tiger's career. But right. then when you started in like bumping it up a ton, all of a sudden the industry gets way more competitive, but it takes a while to realize it because you got, like it takes a while for Justin Thomas to become 22 years old or 25 years old, you know? So it, it takes, I think uh, there's some runway there for it to actually become more competitive. All that to say, Nicholas's numbers to me are not so overwhelming uh, that that you can that you can put him ahead of Tiger's just better at golf, and the numbers are close enough that um, I think you can fairly easily say that Tiger is is the best ever, not only from North America but in in the history of the game. Yes. And that is what you described is, uh, so, so generally when like everybody wants to have a conversation about who's the goat, the goat, well, this, the goat, that everybody wants to have that conversation. I in general lean towards again, uh, two things, one, uh, the best doing it right now or two, the person who changed the game, like the most, like if you usher in a new era of your sport, um, you might be the greatest of all time. For example, Babe Ruth might be the greatest of all time. He was hitting home runs, uh, alone of what team totals were uh wayne gretzky might be i mean certainly right the greatest of all time his numbers are insane he ushered in a new scoring era tiger woods obviously ushering ushering in a new golf era like you could argue we can have the lebron michael jordan debate like i'm all up for that but there is part of me that would argue more that like we might look back in 20 years and it might be steph curry because mm. Steph Curry, like if we get to a point where everyone's love Steph this. Curry, love this take. <laughs> if we get to a point where everyone's Steph Curry, then maybe the greatest of all time was Steph Curry. Like that that's you, the kind of way I do this. Have you heard uh Brandel's thing on Tiger and, and Jack? I don't know. I don't think so. So so he we may have talked about this, but I'm not sure. He says that not only was Tiger better, but he, he 
he go he I can't remember specifically, but he he basically went back and did strokes gained at uh, I think like at majors because you can do strokes gained in yeah. the Nicholas era even though you don't have like shot link you can just do it on based on leaderboard and Tiger's number is just like it's like double Nicholas's I don't know if it's majors or overall I can't remember I think it was majors. And and so Brando calls him like twice as good as Nicholas, and I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't, like, I, I, like, I, I understand the math, but I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. And but I understand what he's saying, right? Like, if if Jack Nicholas is one and a half strokes better than the field at the 120 majors that he played in, or I, actually, I think he played in like 160, and Tiger is three strokes better than the field in his major appearances you're like oh tiger's twice as good as jack nicholas but i don't know that you that to me doesn't seem linear like i don't know that you can actually go down that path but i I think it's an interesting argument and i think it kind of speaks to what we're getting at that's one of these things where he's not wrong but he's also not right in saying that totally totally 100 (laughs) percent Oceana, which we uh, learned what that was on sunday uh and it is 14 countries that make up Oceana. A few to name New Zealand, Australia, Fiji, Samoa, Papua New Guinea, Micronesia. They're all involved. And you came away from that region with a two time major winner, a man with 90 wins worldwide, 20 PGA Tour victories, one Greg Norman. Yeah, this was actually the hardest one. This was harder than Sevi and, and Nick Faldo to me. I had originally written out VJ. I think we settled on VJ on Sunday. Did. Yeah, And I wrote the whole thing out and I just, I couldn't shake the fact that, so Norman had a better PGA Tour winning percentage. He was uh, like 6%, he won 6% of the time. He was like 20 for, I don't know, whatever the, whatever, <laughs> whatever 6%, six, six percent. <laughs> 20 for 300 maybe. I, I don't know. I think that's it. 20 for 300. Um, so help us out with the math, Jacob, <laughs> producer Jacob. Um and VJ was like five and a half or something. Now, some of that is VJ playing like forever and Norman not right. like VJ is obsessed and like, you know, all the stories about him just being crazy about the sport and Norman being like, OK, I'm I'm good. I'm out. Um, So it was it was. Some of that's probably a little unfair to VJ, who was really, really good. And I could be talked into VJ. I don't feel super strongly about this. But then the other thing was Greg Norman played 91 major championships. And if you look on Wikipedia, it does it, it breaks it down by top five, top 10, top 25, which I think is a good way to do it. And he had a 20, 30, and almost 50, uh, like, stat line if you will for top fives top tens and top 25 so 20 top fives 30 top tens which is about a third of them uh 40 it was 48 top 25s out of 91 major championships and that's unbelievable and i've i value that type of play at majors i think more than i do there you go 20 30 48 more yeah. than I do just the straight up how many wins did like VJ had more major wins, but I just I value this stat line more than I do the the wins uh comparison. And I like that this so we're looking on YouTube on or watching on YouTube, 91 major championships here. I like the distribute like you know, he was not 
terrible in any of these, right? You look at his top tens, nine at the Masters, five at the U.S. Open, 10 at the Open Championship, six at the PGA Championship. It's not like he made his hay at one of these or two of these events. He was very well-rounded in these 91 major championships. Yeah, and 10 top twos, which is crazy. 10 top two finishes. I think the other thing is like he won two Opens, and I think VJ won two of his three were PGAs. Or did he win two Masters? I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. Send help, producer Jacob. Jacob, send help. By the way, 6% of uh, victories and 20 wins would be about 333 starts. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because, I mean, Norman won a bunch on the Euro Tour as well. I mean, VJ played twice as many PGA Tour events as Greg Norman did. I think VJ's at like 600 and. 40 or something pga tour starts but norman did a lot of his damage you know on the euro tour which i i don't know i mean you could argue that if he played more on the pga tour he would have won more i think that's a pretty easy argument to make um do we have the major thing producer jacob yeah i totally wasn't uh checking my email were you looking for vj's break major breakdown yeah uh two pgas and masters two pgas okay so i've i the pgas is even though it's been the most exciting major i think it's probably we can agree the least of them and greg norman has two opens um and then obviously vj has the master so i i don't know i mean again i could be i could be talked into vj but i just went ahead and went with greg norman greg norman takes oceana which leaves us with finally south America and we were scrambling on Sunday to throw some names out for South America. As you point out in your article here on CBSSports.com, by far the weakest of the six continents, uh, which made this difficult. And you came up with a name that we did not talk about, and it's Roberto De Vincenzo. It is. I'm glad you said it, and I just call him (laughs) RDV. Uh, So. I forgot about him, and he, it's really between him and Angel Cabrera. I ended up going with him, even though he only has one major to Angel's two. He does have, I think it was seven PGA Tour wins. Cabrera yes. only has three. I think he won Korea. <laughs> he, he won a trio that will never be, will, will never, like this trio will never be won again. I mean, it can't be because this is no longer a tour event. But uh, Angel Cabrera won Greenbrier, he won Oakmont, and he won Augusta National. <laughs> Those are his three PGA it's impossible to do. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Dave, I don't know how to say it. Dave Vicenzo, Dave Vicenzo. I think you can it's gotta say be, it. it's gotta be day. Actually, I think I threw an extra N in there. It's not Vincenzo. It's day. I think it's Vicenzo. Vicenzo. Okay. Vicenzo. So yeah. he, he's, he famously, I think it was 1968 signed a bad card at Augusta. He was going to be in a 18 hole playoff on Monday. Signs a bad card, loses the Masters, and famously said he's the one that said I'm. I think I think he said I'm such a stupid, or I made such a stupid, or something like that. Said what um, a stupid I am. What a stupid I am. There you go. <laughs> and that's that's just great quote. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks, right? Like it's terrible. But his major record was was good. He didn't play in that many. I think he played in 44, if I'm remembering correctly. And he had a bunch of top 10s and top 25s. And his 44 were spread out over the course of like 30 years. He had a really weird 
kind of major career. Um, so I don't know. I mean, on hell, obviously, Oakmont Augusta is an unbelievable duo, but I went with uh, David David Chinzo uh, over over him um, just because I feel like overall he was a little bit stronger. 17 top 10s in 44 starts in major championships. Obviously very impressive stuff. What could start this week, Kyle, could be a path for someone else to take over top South American player of all time. Because Great segue. I love thank this. You. I'm getting so good at these. Because Mito Pereira is one of the favorites to win the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. We have been infatuated with him um, in the kind of DFS and, and, and gaming realm since he came up uh, last year when he got the three-win promotion. But he is legitimately one of the better ball strikers that we've seen since he's come up. And this is like, there's a reason that people are excited about him for this week. For sure. I, you know, I think the argument against him is, is kind of the argument against John Rahm at the U S open last year. Right. Remember the argument was like, well, it seems too obvious. You're like, well, is that, is that a good argument? I don't know. I mean, maybe it is, but it didn't turn out to be. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And, and Mito is not, you know, he obviously he's not playing at a John Rom level, but I, this field is not close to a U.S. open field. So, uh, you know, I think he hasn't finished that great in his last two, I think his last two starts, is it? I think yeah, he was outside of the top place finishes or something. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, it would not be surprising at all if if uh, Mito Pereira won this week, and it certainly wouldn't be surprising if he finished top five or top ten. So I'm excited about it. I think it's it's a real opportunity for him to kind of take over a tournament a little bit um, in a field that's really just not very good. Well, he is. We we talk about this a little bit. Uh, winning being a skill. And that is something we've seen from Mito. Three wins last yeah. season on the Corn Ferry. So he's won, what, three times in his last 43 starts, which obviously all of those were coming on the Corn Ferry and his most recent starts are on the PGA Tour. But, uh, I mean, even the Olympics, he was in that playoff for a bronze medal. I mean, this is this is a guy that since basically the start of the year has been playing very, very, uh, very competitive golf. That's the way I want to phrase this. Competitive golf in whatever field he's in. That's and that's a skill. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I think I'm curious, you know, I was thinking about this. I'm curious about because there's other guys in this field that were that kind of thrived on the corn ferry last year. So it's Hayden Buckley and um I can't think of anybody else off the top of my Chad head. Ramey. Chad Ramey. I'm curious about are there guys outside of Pereira that for you as a as a deeper DFS guy get excited about or is it like Pereira and everybody else so I kind of view this as a couple of different ways I view I'm very excited about a lot of the corn fairy tour guys especially because they're essentially a year behind a lot of them probably probably should have seen a year ago they're very yeah, very that's good. A good point yeah um, like they're very very good at golf so I am excited about them what I like about Mito obviously all the ball striking stuff but he's now he's got a 12 event head start you know how this goes when you get on the when you get on the PGA tour and every spot is new for you. You don't know where the locker rooms are. You don't know where dining is. You don't like there's just a learning curve to being on any new tour. He's like a 12 event head start on everybody else as they're starting to figure it out. When you look at skill sets, um, Hayden Buckley is 
exciting, but I'm, I'm not sure what he is yet. So I've only got like 24 measured rounds on him, uh, in the database. And the last 10 have been awesome. The like 14 before that pretty horrible. Like we're going to find out. I think what he is very, very quickly. I think he's probably the one him and maybe Steven Jaeger. Jaeger's Jaeger is kind of, I think he's kind of special. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Jaeger for me, the problem is he's just so old. I mean, he's not old, yeah. but he's like, he, he's been around for a while. And so it's, it's more difficult for me to kind of envision what he could become. Cause it, it feels like it's just like kind of what it is. The guy for me that I would throw in there that, that you're kind of like the way you're talking about is uh Sahith Thagala. Yeah. Because I think, you know, he's somebody that the pedigree is great. Uh, and we'll talk more. I've got him in some of my stuff later on, but like he hits it, he hits it well, or he has recently, but again, he's somebody who like you look at the numbers and we just don't have that much on him. I think he's played 19 events as a pro or something like that. Maybe, maybe fewer than that, but he, he goes out and kind of thrives a little bit early on in the season and, you know, data golf has him like top hundred in the world, whereas the OWGR has him as outside the top three fifty. So you're like, well, yeah. I like that feels a little zealotorcy, you know, mm-hmm. from from this time last year. I'm not saying that he's gonna rise to like be a top twenty five player, but that that's the guy that for me, I'm like, oh, that's this is interesting. I wonder like how this is gonna play out over the next twelve months. What Sahith has going for him, and we've seen this um, with other other golfers, is again kind of like Mito, where he's contended in every single you know all levels. Sahith has been so highly regarded at all levels, right? I mean, he, he won a bunch of amateur events. He goes to Pepperdine. He, I feel like he's been on the radar so long for someone who was only born in 1997, right? He's 23 years old, but I feel like he's been on everyone's radar for so long that we're finally seeing it come to fruition here on the PGA tour. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what we're going to get out of it. This is obviously the highest level, but I am excited. We saw flashes of it at what Sanderson. I think he made it. He was like leading going into Sunday. Was that Sanderson? Yeah. I think I had him as my sleeper there and he, I think he was like second after round one or something like that. And, and really kind of, played well throughout but again you know if, if you go try and like look up his numbers it's it, there's just not i mean it's just hard like you can get some finishes and a little bit of overall strokes gain stuff yeah. throughout the corn ferry and college career but there's just not the sample size is just so small that you're like i, I don't I, I don't know what to do with this it looks good when you compare it or when you like pair it with his uh, college resume and his pedigree and all that stuff, but it, it's it's difficult to kind of project it out. I think. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how these guys uh, fare this week. They <laughs> they might be wet and blown uh, blown around by this by this wind because the forecast doesn't look great here. KP Wednesday. Uh, an inch and a half to two inches of rain. I'm no meteorologist. That seems like a lot. There's rain in the forecast and there are uh, essentially winds. Let's call it 15 to 20 with gusts of 25 all week long. Yeah. And I think, I think this plays into the hands of the favorite a little bit, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick, if you go back and look at some of obviously hadn't won on the PGA tour, but places that he's thrived, you know, Bay Hill a couple of years ago, I remember when Terrell Hatton won and it was so windy and just kind of nasty and he played uh, Fitzpatrick played really well, and I, I, I think there's a quote I remember him saying at Bay Hill at Bay Hill that year. 
about like, hey, I I love it like this, which doesn't totally add up to me because he's not like this guy that you think about like just just a uh, just compresses the ball, you know. He he's not. I think they're. I mean, especially off the tee, like he just kind of lacks some pop. Like he's not an elite um, ball striker, but he just play. He he seems to play great in that kind of bad weather. So. I actually think he's a little undervalued because of that, even though he's the favorite going into this week. Yeah, Caesars has him at uh, 14 to 1 right now to win the tournament. He has the shortest odds in this field, which we should probably get to. We should probably get to our best bets, our expert picks, and of course, our one and done selections. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Time for Best Bets. Kyle, uh, we went three and one as a crew last week. I believe you, I don't have it in front of me, but you were victorious in a three ball. It was somebody over two South African players. Do you remember who it was? It was uh, Colin Morikawa over Garrett Kigo and EVR. Yeah. How did that happen? How did Morikawa, EVR, and Higo get into a three ball? But you saw it. Was it, like, said, it was like minus one twenty, minus one ten. Yeah, wild stuff. Well, free money, apparently. And this week, uh, you have foreshadowed a bit of your best bet. What is it, sir? Yeah, I've got uh, Sahith Thagala over Denny McCarthy. Uh, I don't. I think Thagala is a pretty good ball striker, uh, and I like hitting somebody like that against a McCarthy who just relies on the putter and his short game so heavily. Now that can go badly because when McCarthy gets hot, it's like, it's like, you know, super hot. Uh, but he just, he, he doesn't, you know, he'll pop up every once in a while. I think I just trust the Gala more in a, in a head to head matchup like this. Yeah, Denny struggled a little bit, which is a shame because it looked like he was making strides in some of the ball striking categories. Oh, man, I guess it was like six months ago at this point, and it never really came to fruition. And yeah, relying on the putter is is not always um, a consistent path to success on the PGA Tour. He's missed two of his last three cuts. His last top 10 was, I think, Wyndham. Honda. He was T15 at Wyndham. T15 at Wyndham. Honda was T3. Okay, uh, that was in January or February or March, um, or April or May. I could just keep going through this. When was it? <laughs> it was. It was in. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was right after the Players Championship. That field was almost as bad as this one. <laughs> hey now, do you know who won uh, the Honda this year? Do you remember? Um, 
Michael Thompson? No. What did Michael Thompson win? The 3M? Don't tell me. I know who won the Honda. Um, Sungjae won it 2020. So yeah. 2021 Honda. God, I'm I only never. I, I looked this. it up today. I'm going to hate myself when you say this. Jacob knows. I think I, I mean, I remember, was it Journeyman Australian? Am I crazy? That's right. I'm with the blanking on the name. Matt Jones? Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have gotten that. <laughs> I'm glad you came and saved me, Jacob. I would have not gotten there on Matt Jones. I'm going with Patrick Rogers, minus 118 over Hank Lebiota. As much as I love Hammer and Hank, um, since he had that great run of top 10, since he had to withdraw on a Friday for a personal reason, since he came back, he hasn't been good. He's missed every single cut since Patrick Rogers is uh, kind of a rare type of golfer KP. You don't always get a guy on tour who's, whose two best clubs are the longest club in the bag, his driver and his shortest club in the bag, the putter. Those two things don't usually always vibe together. Patrick Rogers uh, does that. So minus 118, I'll take Rogers over Libiota. Does it concern you that this is a course that doesn't really reward uh, driving distance? Because I, I looked at Rogers and and that's so much of his skill set that I just I kind of waffled on it a little bit. So all of it concerns me. Yes, everything about this field <laughs> and, these, and these selections. Um, yes, they concern me. Uh, I, I'm just banking on like he's he's played well. He, he had a good finish at the Fortnite. I think it was a top ten there. Um, he had actually played the Corn Ferry uh, Finals. I think the Tour Championship for them last mm-hmm. year played well there. I'm just banking on Patrick Rogers being a better player than Hank Lebiotis in this moment. I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Because really, a lot of the guys that are like really good, uh, like perfect course fits. Don't have a lot of great, like, you know, Brian Gay is, has just been horrendous between his two finishes at the Bermuda Championship. And Brian Stewart, like, should fit this course, but doesn't play well. I mean, it's it, this is a really difficult week to handicap. That's why I like Fitzpatrick this week, because it's it he just kind of fits it nicely. He's coming in off a win. Uh, the weather plays into his hands. It just seems, it, he seems to be checking a lot of boxes that... Uh, yeah, like you said, some other guys that at least their statistical profile fits, but maybe they're not playing as well or are bad win players or whatever. Speaking of Fitzpatrick, uh, as we enter the expert picks segment, Fitzpatrick has earned the winner distinction from both Mark and Coach. Now, Kyle, you and I have gone a different direction. We'll save that and we'll start with our sleepers here. So your sleeper, oh my. Oh, this is a fun one. Your sleeper for the Bermuda Championship is a name that people are going to know. Yeah, some win equity. Jason Dufter, Duff Daddy. He, uh, if you look at if you look at Tita Green over his last twenty rounds, he's been really good compared to the rest of his field. Now the problem is his last twenty rounds spans like four months because he doesn't mm-hmm. play very much. So uh, that concerns me a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a he's always been a great ball striker, and it's a course that you don't have to be like we talked about. You don't have to be crazy long. I think he's interesting at uh, at seventy to one. Last five measured starts. Yeah, this dates back to July. For I think it's Duffin. the John Deere or something. Yeah, pl- so T degree numbers: plus ten, plus six, plus four, plus five, plus three. He is doing Duff Daddy things, and believe it or not, like his last, even his last four starts. Like if he's a minus one with the putter, like that, that's what you want. <laughs> like it's so because yeah, because you, you can lose 
five, six, or seven in a week. And yeah, and it can get ugly pretty quickly. Uh, so Jason Duffner, sleeper for Kyle. I'm going with uh, Dylan Wu. I might have typed that wrong in the outline. I'm going with Dylan Wu, who won on the Corn Ferry uh, late last season. Again, this is where – so I find it interesting. You went with uh, a season-savvy vet. I went with a guy now up from the Corn Ferry Tour, which I think is really a big part of the storyline for – like this part of the schedule. You get these journeymen who are trying to earn FedEx cup points or trying to hang on or whatever. And you get these young guys who are chomping at the bit to go out there and make some noise. And those are, we, we picked out two perfect examples of that. Yeah, totally. And I'm curious, you know, I, I saw you said on Twitter, like this is a great week to not skip out playing DFS, making picks like this. I'm curious about, I think I understand why, but I'm curious about like how you would kind of, Explain that. The way that I interpret this uh, essentially is uh, golf or any sport and fantasy and or betting for me is a is a data game. And most uh, or weeks where you get major championships, for example, uh, the players, the casual players, the people who are entering lineups uh, know a lot more about the players that they're rostering. They know who John Rahm is. They know who Jordan Spieth is. They can name the top 20 players in the field. When you look at this field, um, you can't really name a lot of these guys if you're a casual fan, but those casual fans still enter lineups because it's still football season and they're still on their favorite fantasy site of choice entering lineups. And for the people who are doing a little bit more research who are, who have been following some of these guys from the corn Ferry, who are aware of trends and the way that certain players fit. I think it gives them an edge this week. So I think most people will say, Oh, the field's weak. I don't want to play. I say, Oh, the field has a lot of unknowns. That's good for people who have data and research. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Cause you, it's hard to out data John Rahm. Right. Correct. Right. Like, you know, and that's where like, not I'm tooting my own horn, but like when Colin Cow is 40 to one to win a major, I mean, it's what we've talked about with Rory, right? You're trying to find these inefficiencies or these like little, like small outliers. And it seems like those margins, because this applies to the odds makers too, right? Like they know yes. less at an event like this. And so the margins of, like like the difference between what a player's odds are and what they should be is wider here than it is at a major championship. So if you're if your data is actually really good, then you can kind of find more inefficiencies than you would at a at a US Open. And uh, I know that Caesars is the only sports book in existence on the planet, but if there were other sports books available, you would probably see a lot of different numbers for different guys. Somebody might be yeah. 25 to one here and 45 to one at Caesars. And that tells you that books, they're, they're inefficient. They don't have enough information. They're doing a lot of guessing. These are the weeks that like anytime sports books are guessing you're at the advantage. <laughs> totally. And you're in having any information suddenly becomes m more valuable. Right. Right. Cause yeah. So that's interesting. That's my okay. take. That, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I'm going with Dylan. Will Kyle's going with Jason Duffner. Mark and coach have sent in uh, theirs as well. Mark's is going with Russell Knox will be a popular, uh, popular player this week, 40 to one. And Ooh, how about this coach? Uh, coach actually likes Denny McCarthy this week. He's going with Denny McCarthy at 40 to one for his sleeper. 
That's so short. That number is really short for me. It's tough when, yeah, when McCarthy's usually 80 to one and now he's yeah. 40 to one. Like, there's a lot of guys like I, that. I would, yeah, I would have been surprised even if he was like 50, you know? He hasn't, been, uh, he hasn't played well. Uh, no, no, he has not. Top 10s. Let's stick with Coach and Mark here. Uh, Coach is going with Ryan Armour. Makes sense if you're going with course fit. Plus 500 to be inside the top 10. And KP, Mark is going with Christian Bezadenhope, plus 175, which I looked it up in my database. I could not find another instance of uh, Bezadenhope being uh, nearly as short as he is this week. He is currently 16 to 1 at, uh, at Caesars. I'm shocked that Mark went with a South African in the top 10. Right. I know. I can I cannot believe it. Shock of the century. I mean, he he's what second second shortest odds in the field. Third, maybe second. Yeah, right behind Matt Fitzpatrick. Behind behind Fitzpatrick. Again, it's a little. You know, I think it's probably like good course fit. Although I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a bad course fit this week. I was reading something. I saw a quote from somebody. I think it might have been Brendan Todd about how like everybody just kind of plays from the same position, right? Like off the tee. Mm-hmm. Or, or on their second shot or whatever, because it's it's hard to not do that. I think based on the way the course is set up, so I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm overvaluing kind of statistical fit with uh, with Fitzy this week. No such thing as overvaluing statistical fit, Kyle. Your top ten <laughs> is a man, <laughs> a man that we mentioned just earlier, and you're getting four and a half to one odds on him. Yeah, Sahith Tagala. Uh, I mean, he's got what a couple of I think top 20s in his last couple starts I don't know I don't have it in front of me but he's been playing well and uh, I just yeah I really like him this week yeah I mean if you go back to the Corn Fairy like playoffs and then the finals he went his last five are T4 sixth now we transition to the PGA Tour T47 at the Fortinet T8 at the Sanderson Missed the cut at the Shriners, which is very easy to do I don't know what he shot but you know six or seven under par is what it takes Three of his last five top ten across yeah. both tours, and this is—I mean, look, this is like a this is a corn fair event, right? Like field wise, it's not it's not better than it's it's probably not better than the corn fair finals, to be honest. So I'll tell you, it, uh, the strength of field for this week is a sixty-eight. Uh, the corn fairy tour championship was a what did I say this week was sixty-eight? Sixty-eight. Forty-two. Close enough. Okay. Okay. So it's not, yeah, it's not that much, that much worse. So yeah, I, I love the goal. I'm going with Seamus power top 10 plus 260. Um, I love Mito. I love Seamus power. The, the, okay. This is the stat I was rolling out there last 50 rounds for every single player on the PGA tour. Seamus power is 12th. Uh, that is amongst the who's who of golf. And he is very accurate off the tee, at least among those who have been playing as well as he has. Um, I think back to when I followed his group here in Vegas out at Paiute, and it was blowing about 35 or 40 miles an hour, and he was a ball-striking machine. And I'm thinking, let it just let it go in Bermuda. Let it, you know, let it blow, no problem. Seamus Power will find a way. Yeah, I think that's I mean, it's a good stat. I think the pushback is like, well, that includes probably a handful of opposite field events, right? I know it well, includes the big uh, one is Bar- his win. Barbasol, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, I mean, there's a reason he's top five in terms of, of shortest odds. Cause he's been playing great. 
So what this week is a 64. Barbasol was oh, never mind. This week is that. this this week is <laughs> 68. 68. What, I don't want to say what, was, what, what was the Barbie. Was. What was it? 30? 17. Oh my gosh. Really? How's that possible? Does, does having like a couple of top 50 guys this week just elevate it that much? Yeah, like, it has to, right? Because I think Reed and what Fitz, Fitzpatrick are the top 50 guys. Yeah. Yeah, it that's has probably, to. That's probably it. Yeah. That's that's less than half of the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. Yeah, I was not expecting to see 17. <laughs> that did not help my, uh, you know... <laughs> anxiety for this week. <laughs> uh, that's fine. All right. So just to recap. Oh, no, wait, we got to do winners. Uh, so as I mentioned, Mark and coach went with Matthew Fitzpatrick. Kyle, you and I are going with Mito Pereira. Let's, let's not overthink this. Yeah. I mean, 25 to one, just a, just a ball striking fiend. I'm fired up for it. Let's get it. Let's get it. That leaves us finally with, the one and done. Let's start at the bottom. It's not the coach. It's Sia Najad, 155,625. Oh, boy. Sia and I are on the same page this week. Mm. Sia's going with... I'm nervous. Sia's going with Seamus Power, uh, which obviously I like. So Sia hopefully will be cashing in on some big bucks, which, by the way, like it's like $1.1 million for first this week. Yeah, and it's a master's berth, right? It's... it's. Uh, I mean, it because... Well, they... When the... When the HSBC champions got canceled. They they bumped, or I guess they kept because it was a full field of, or it was a full whatever you call it status event last season, and it is again this season. So, I mean, somebody's going to get in the Masters this week that probably wasn't already in. Oh yeah, almost. I mean, I don't want to say certainly, unless, but like unless Reed wins or Fitzpatrick or Danny Willett or that might be yeah. it. Yeah, that might be it. It really might be it. Yeah, good call there. Um, so Kyle, you're next. Three hundred seventy-five thousand. Now you uh, will not make up much ground on the field this week because you are taking yeah. a popular player. But just like we saw with Hideki last week, you, you, once you start, you know, you, you got to get some money here in the in the coffers. Yeah. So my problem here, I wanted, I knew, I knew a lot of people would pick, pick Fitzpatrick, and I wanted to go Mito, but I actually can envision myself taking Mito elsewhere later in the yes. year. And I, yes. and I, can't, I don't know that I can with Fitzpatrick because okay. Fitzpatrick plays this, a pretty good schedule and you're not going to take, I mean, he, he does not very good at majors. You're just, it's going to be hard to take him somewhere and Mito might play a little bit worse schedule to where it would be easier to take him at a colonial, a Byron Nelson somewhere that's a little bit worse off. So that was kind of my thinking there. I'm so glad you said that because I'll t I'll tell you in a second. So above Kyle, Greg, 1.7 million also went with Matt Fitzpatrick. Coach, 1.9 million also went with Matt Fitzpatrick. I'm next, 2.2. I'll round up million. Uh, and I was between Seamus Power and Mito Pereira, and I had the same exact conversation with myself where I said, "I'm so I'm so bullish on Mito. I might be using him later. I, I might be able to yeah. find a really good spot for him later." Seamus Power, I like this week, and I've got no plans to use him ever again. So I went with Seamus Power, but I had the same conversation with myself that you did. Yeah, totally. I want to hear about this next pick. I, I want to hear some some. Uh... Yeah. So here he comes, <laughs> here producer Jacob. Producer Jacobs go, at two point three million, which is, um, I mean, quite honestly, the best the best position he has been in since we've since we've started this, and he uh, must be feeling himself, must be feeling pretty confident. 
please divulge to the world your one and done selection for this week's Bermuda Championship. Well, I think I've already eclipsed my total from last year, which is just might be true. absolutely great. So what we're doing is we're playing with house money. Uh, I'm going to drop a little sprinkle on Aaron Rye here for my one and done. I mean, I, I totally agree with you guys say uh, about Mito, like <laughs> keeping him in the bank feels like the logical thing to do. And my other my other thinking was just like everyone's going to be rolling with Fitzpatrick, which I guess we all did with Hideki last week and it worked. Uh, so just sort of like that, that gambler's fallacies kicking in of just like, well, let's, you know, for surely it can't work twice again, you know, immediately back to back. So I'm going to go with Aaron Rye. I mean, if you look at where he's had success before, it's on these little short courses where, you know, you can dink and dunk, poke the ball around. The guy is used to wearing two gloves. If the weather's going to be as bad as they say it is. And, uh, I was texting with, Greg Ducharme, you know, getting my pick on the record with him earlier today. I mean, the guy uses the iron covers. Yeah. Which, I mean, he gets knocked for being a square, but I mean, my guy's going to have the blades perfectly dry for this week whenever we, whenever the rain starts coming down. Um, you know, he's also, he's an Englishman, as is Fitzpatrick. I looked it up. Bermuda is a British overseas territory, so technically a home game, if you believe in it a is. home game factor. Um, which I don't know how much you weight that, Rick. But I think I think the the general consensus here is that we we might see sort of a little little lengthy open conditions break out, which I'll I take more Aaron Rye. I, I mean, the, the recent PGA Tour form has been terrible. I mean, yes, I think he's missed three straight cuts on the tour in this season. So you know, I'm I acknowledge that, but you know, we're we're this is the Bermuda Championship. The, listen, the more you talk, the less I believe in this pick. I just, I, you just keep saying things and I, I keep not believing you. Well, is, it, I, it, is, I, this technically, is this technically the third continent in three weeks on the tour? I guess Bermuda's technically on, I'm deep in the continents game, as you know. But I, I guess, <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> I mean, it would be the Caribbean, I think. So it's, it's technically North America, but it's North, a British. North America, right? But it's a British. Overseas territory, yeah, it's in the. I mean, it's it's a bit more parallel with. I mean, it's almost in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, it's not. I don't. Think, I don't think Caribbean is like the best describe descriptor for. I mean, if you go like just pretty much due east from Charleston, South Carolina, shot yeah, out, well, you'll end up in Bermuda. You should swim I, it. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this event because it gets done so early. Atlantic time, baby. It's great. That, it's that threw it, me it's off. like yeah. I, I I love that time. That's tough for you, uh, Rick, but I think it starts at like two AM your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's four hours difference, I think. Um I had I had so many things I want I don't even remember what they were I can't, okay I can't knock at least the research that was a lot of research you put into that uh, if he wins uh, if he wins I'll buy I'll buy iron covers and I'll I'll rock those for a year well I'm Ooh. I'm getting I'm getting knocked for my iron covers which I don't use in the comments what is that uh, oh David David is our resident troll I think um, which it actually for sure. it actually. It actually worked out well for the for the coach the other day. Uh, what color are your iron covers? First of all, I don't. Not that I know much research uh, about iron covers. Don't they only come in black? I mean, I've seen iron co covers not... on one person in real life, and uh, 
it may or may not be an anchor on CBS Sports HQ. <laughs> oh, you told us who this is, and I can't remember who it was. So, I can, it's, not yes. Joe, it's not Joe Musa, was it? I won't. No, uh, it's not Joe. No, it's, not. it's not Joe. Oh, I know. I bet, I, I won't, I bet I won't publicly disclose. I don't want to shame him. I don't know if, he, know if he's it changed since. It's been, a, it's been a while since I've played golf with him, but uh, there is I a can guess. Yeah. Yeah. So Not good. I, I don't have iron game. covers. Get out of here with that. Jacob is going with Aaron Rye, and I will. I'll rock iron covers if he wins it. Um, Jacob's at 2.3 million, which is about, let's see, 1.1 million behind Mark. That is who we're all chasing. He's going with Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, and I mean, Mark is, when he's atop, when he's atop the one and done standings, he's a different guy. It's miserable. He, uh, it, we've really got to fix this. So wait, hold on. we got we got to go back to this because you know on the early edge we do we do these showdown bets right. So if we take Rye versus Fitzpatrick, you said if I mean you said if Rye wins, is this just sort of in a head to head? You'll rock the iron covers in uh, in one of your vlogs. I think that should be the wager. <laughs> if, oh, so now it's so now it's a head to head. I thought it was a yeah, that, shot. <laughs> that that got uh, that got twisted in a hurry. <laughs> that was not even close to what Rick said. Well, you know, I mean, the people are dropping out of this event like flies. This is like quickly going to become like a, you know, no cut event. So, okay. If here's what I'll do. If, if, if Aaron Rye beats Matt Fitzpatrick in a matchup, which he's probably, if I were to set that line or if, if Caesars, yeah, it'd be like minus 250. Okay. So like 67%, maybe a little bit higher than that. Um, I will, I'll buy, I'll wear, use, I'll wear, I'll use iron covers in an upcoming v- Rick run good vlog. It'll be so annoying. I'll do it though. <laughs> let's do it. All right. I don't have to do anything because. Yeah. You get a free roll somehow. Yeah. That's a good, bet. that's a good, get a roll that's, that, that's good. That's fun. Yeah. We'll I'm still being called out for iron covers. Guys, I don't, I don't use iron covers. I don't know what to tell you. Where did that start? Also, Why do people think that? I don't know. I also don't really play golf that much, which I probably shouldn't admit that. But I have four kids. Like I don't. I don't have time. You played Augusta National. <laughs> I can't. I can't keep. I can't keep hanging my hat on something that happened four <laughs> years ago, <laughs> almost five years ago. <laughs> Just to recap, uh, one and done selections from the bottom up: Sia Najad, Seamus Power, Kyle, Matt Fitzpatrick, Greg, Matt Fitzpatrick, Coach, Matt Fitzpatrick. Rick, Seamus Power, Jacob, Aaron Rye, Mark, Matt Fitzpatrick. Rick, have you heard my Augusta story from 15? Mm, start telling it. Let's find out. I asked my caddy to film it because I just smoked a drive and I thought I was going to make an eagle. Oh, wait. Was this? I've seen the shot. Wait, is this is this okay. your approach on to like 15? Yeah, I, I accidentally laid up. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the chunkiest. Not that I would have done anything different. I was it just was like full sod. Laid, yeah. Just I, I'm surprised I didn't like cover my ball up with it. I, I stood over thing. it. I stood over it for I don't know, like 45 seconds. It was horrible. Yeah, I was like, oh, is this video not started yet? Oh no, it's 35 <laughs> seconds in. Kyle hasn't moved. He's still addressing his ball. <laughs> I have a I have a friend who played Augusta today, Ooh. and he has a video of himself. So it was front left pin on sixteen. 
Oh, okay. He has, nice. a, he has a video hitting his shot like right in the middle of 16 on the ledge. And it starts rolling. It starts like, you know, going down to the hole. And it didn't go in, but it, it was not that far off. And <laughs> I was thinking about how like that 10 seconds has to be like oh. the best 10 seconds of your entire life because you know that the it, it takes a long time and you know the ball is, is going to fall that way. And so all you're thinking about is like, did I just make a one at Augusta National in I would my die. this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's got to be like the the most like just I don't know the craziest thing to like be feeling as your ball is is rolling toward the hole. That's the uh, that's the Sunday location, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, because I vividly remember uh, sweating out no hole in ones for the week bets, and that's a that's, dangerous one. That's a fun that's, one because they they cut to that probably a dozen times with nobody's playing it, you know, because yes. they're going through him in corner, and you just watch that ball trickle towards the hole. Yeah, uh, and I I'm pretty sure it was two years ago at Deshambo. Yeah, JT did it recently. That's when you know you're in trouble when they go. Uh, now to Scott Stallings on 16. Like, Scott oh, Stallings. No. Oh. oh no, the, uh, he made it eight. The Jim Nance moments ago. Yeah. When when did when did uh, Scott Stallings last play in the Masters? Well, good thing uh, had to be inter- a while exists. ago. How did the Scott Stallings? Somebody asked me how the Scott Stallings thing started. I thought it was. Um, I, I thought we tried to guess who it was the exact number 100 player. Yeah, and then it just it. went from there. Uh, uh, 2018. Okay. Okay. No. Oh, wait. Sorry. sorry. It was the U.S. Open 2014. 2014. I was going to yeah. say 14 because then that way, like, didn't he win Tory or something? Or he almost 14? won Tory? Yeah. No, he did win Tory. Uh, January 2014. One shot over KJ Choi, Jason Day, Graham Dillette, Mark Leishman, and Pat Perez. That feels like a long time ago. Who's the current number 100 player in the world? Oh, uh, do we talk about him today? No, but it would not have been out of norm for us to talk about him today. That's because he's playing this week. No, he's not. Okay. Cause he won this event at some point. Brian Gay and Brendan, Brendan Todd. Brendan Todd's the top one. Let's go. That's so good. Yeah, exactly right. Brendan Todd. That's awesome. What a way to end the podcast. That'll do. (laughs) Big thanks to producer Jacob. Does all the hard works behind and in front of the scenes. That's Kyle Porter. You can find him on Twitter (laughs) at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.